0: Amen. Let us join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we thank you and we praise you for allowing us to worship here. We thank you and we praise you for allowing us to come here, to to be together, to worship with one another and to have this community. Sometimes, Lord, we take that for granted. As we read from those who are sent into exile, may we feel comfort and peace knowing that not only do we have homes, but we also have a home to worship in. Thank you, Lord, and we praise you on this day, and we ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 is one of the most popular biblical verses that's recited and known by many. It's a verse that you will frequently find on graduation cards and graduation gifts. Anybody here ever buy a graduation card or gift with this verse on it? I know I certainly have. It's a verse that people will sometimes recite to those who might feel a little lost. Maybe you're with somebody and they're feeling lost and you've said this verse to them. Don't worry, God knows the plans that God has for you. It's a verse used to comfort those who maybe hit a bump in the road in their career. Maybe they get laid off or lose their job or are not advancing the way that they want to, or or maybe they hit a bump in the road in their personal life. And and maybe you shared these words for them, these, these words like, don't worry, God knows the plans God has for you to give you a future with hope. It's a powerful verse that many of us use to inspire others, maybe even to inspire ourselves when we need it. But here is the catch about this verse. If we don't understand the meaning behind this verse, I actually think we miss its power. If we just take this verse as is, and we just use it out of context, and we just throw this verse at anybody whenever they're going through a hard time, we're like, oh, don't worry. God knows the plans that God has for you. No matter what, God's got plans for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. If we just say those words but we don't understand the meaning behind the verse then i think that we miss this verse's power. Because this isn't just some fluffy verse that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to make the people feel better. To tell you the truth, Jeremiah wasn't fond of very fluffy verses. He was known as the weeping prophet, and he called it as he saw it, and he was not known for fluffy words. And so this is not just some fluffy verse that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to make the people feel good. That's not what this is at all. But instead, this verse is written with a purpose and with direction and with meaning. Jeremiah wrote this verse because there were Israelite people who were stuck in exile. They had been uprooted from their homes. They had been kicked out of the places that they had known and they had lived. And they got sent to a place that was far away from their home to live in exile with nothing to start their new lives. They were sent into exile where they were all. All alone where they were lost where they were off on their own and they didn't have the comfort of the home that they had once known and these people were feeling distressed and everybody's offering all these people words of wisdom you know everybody wants to tell these these people what they need to know but then finally here the prophet Jeremiah says to the people that are out in exile he says to the people he says this verse to those people that are suffering and he says after 70 years not immediately But after 70 years, God's plans will be known for you. After 70 years of Babylonian exile, after 70 years and living in a place that is not your home, after 70 years of being sent out to live in a place that you did not want to live in, in a location that you did not want to, to be in, then you will understand that surely God knows the plans that God has for you, plans for your welfare and not for your harm to give you a future and a hope. The prophet Jeremiah said these words because the prophet Jeremiah was encouraging the people to continue to live their lives, not to give up, but to live their lives, to get married, to have babies, to have grandbabies, to do all the things that they needed to do in order to continue their lives. The prophet Jeremiah was telling them to do these things, but these words were words of promise and comfort, but they weren't a a blanket promise here. You know, a blanket promise means that no matter what, what you do, God will promise to do this. It wasn't a blanket promise, but instead these words right here were a covenantal promise because let's look at what happens afterwards by the way everybody always shares this verse but they don't share the verse after do you realize that people do that when they share verses It's like we take one verse out of context and we share that verse to make people feel better, but we don't tell all the rest of the verses around it. But so often it's the verses around it that give us even more instruction than that one verse that we share on a regular basis. Well, so this verse is so commonly shared, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. But if we look at the next verses, we can find even more wisdom because this wasn't a blanket promise, but this was a covenantal promise. Now a covenantal promise means that it's a two-way promise. God makes a promise, but God expects a promise to be kept in return that's what a covenant is anybody here married give me a little raise of the hand if you're married if you're married did you say vows to your partner yes and when you made vows to your partner that was a covenantal promise whenever i officiate somebody's wedding i always say if you're writing your own vows at least make sure that you're vowing something to one another if you want to write your own vows that's fine but make sure that there's a promise in there don't just tell the person that you love them and all these wonderful things that's not promising anything but instead make a vow make a promise to the person that you are committing your life to because when we make a vow it's a two-sided promise it's a covenant marriage vows are a covenant and that's exactly what god is asking for here god is saying yes surely i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans for your welfare and not for your harm to give you a future with hope god says that's my end of the promise I will keep this side of the promise, but here's the people's side of the promise. Then when you call upon me, and when you come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. Are you hearing the part that that the people have to play in this promise? When you call upon me, when you come and pray to me, when you search for me if you seek me with all of your heart god says yes i'll promise this for you but in order for me to promise this for you i need you to do this too i need you to seek for me i need you to pray to me i need you to search me is what god is saying this isn't a blanket promise where god doesn't require anything but this is a covenantal promise it reminds me of when jesus says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you jesus doesn't just say it's going to be given to you it says ask and it'll be given to you jesus doesn't just say you're going to find whatever you need Jesus says, seek, and you will find. Jesus doesn't say, oh, don't worry, do whatever you want. The door is going to be open to you. Jesus says, knock, and the door will be open for you. That's the same kind of promise that the prophet Jeremiah is making to the people. Before God does the guiding, people need to do the praying and the searching and the asking. And I will take this out of context and put this into our own lives now. If we want God to guide us, anybody want God to guide them? Uh-huh, yeah, like a hands like shoots in the air. If we want God to guide us, then we need to do the praying and the searching and the asking. I've had people come to me before, and and they've been like, well, pastor, why doesn't God just do this for me? Why doesn't God just just do this? Why doesn't God just do that? And I'm like, well, well, how much effort are you putting into your relationship with God? They don't like it when I say that, by the way. I'm like, I I get you want God to do all this for you, but how much effort are you putting into your relationship with God? How much are you praying to God? How much are you worshiping God? How much are you asking God for guidance? So often we're like, God, I want you to do this for me. But are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we searching? Because this is a covenantal relationship that we have from God. And so often people just want to take. They're like, God, give me this. Give me whatever I want. Give me all of this. But we so often aren't willing to do the searching and the seeking and the finding well, the other day I was running on the treadmill because I'm one of those people who loves to run on the treadmill. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I would rather run on a treadmill than run outside. It wasn't the case when I was younger, but for some reason now I just love to run on the treadmill. And like most women my age, I guess, most mothers my age. I also have a slight, I think, healthy addiction to Peloton, just a a slight healthy addiction. Uh, Anybody, if you don't know what Peloton is, it's basically where on the TV screen the instructor will tell me what to do as I work out, and I like that. I don't know, I don't want to work out on my own. I want somebody to fully distract me from the fact that I'm working out, tell me funny stories while I'm working out, entertain me while I'm working out, tell me what to do, and then voila, it's over. So I was doing one of my runs the other day on the treadmill, and I was running to uh, this instructor named Adrian Williams, who I absolutely love. He's like super strong, and I'm like, "Ooh, good, I'm gonna work out with him, because he's gonna help me get super strong. I don't know, that's my mentality there, but uh, he was doing this one really interesting thing, so you guys know the actor Ashton Kut- uh, Kutcher, you guys know from that 70s show? Well, if any of you guys use Peloton, then you already know this probably, but he's doing this thing with Peloton, so lately, a, a lot of my runs that I do, it's like Ashton Kutcher, and maybe some other celebrity, and then one of, the, uh, one of the Peloton instructors and they're all having this conversation while they're running on a a treadmill and then I'm running on the treadmill doing what the instructors tell me to do and they're having these conversations and they're entertaining me so before I know it my run is over and I can feel good about completing that workout. So I've been watching these workouts with Ashton Kutcher because he's preparing for a marathon because he's raising money for his nonprofit is meant to stop the sexual exploitation of children which is awesome so it makes me feel even better about participating in this. So I'm doing this run and it's just Ashton Kutcher and one of the trainers named Adrian who I always love adrian as i mentioned and so i'm doing this workout and they started talking about manifestation now have you heard about when people say that they want to manifest something in their lives give me a nod of the head if you have any idea what i'm talking about okay i see nods over here not nods over there good so i'm going to explain it so the idea of manifestation it's a really popular term it's like that cliche kind of term right now that people are talking about that they want to manifest things in their lives well manifestation is a popular term that means that if you imagine something or if you visualize something Then it will happen like it's like that that, uh, vision board you know if you put it out there if you envision it if you imagine it then it can happen but first you have to imagine it because if you imagine it enough then you can manifest it into being that's what this idea of manifestation is but these two guys are running on the treadmill and I'm running on the treadmill listening to them and they're chatting about it and they said that there's actually a problem with this idea of manifestation a lot of times people say that they want to manifest something they want to imagine or visualize that something's going to happen in their life but they don't want to put in the work they want to manifest they want to visualize that something's going to happen in their life but they don't want to put in the work and so they were saying that's the problem with this idea of manifestation because somebody says well I I envision I I dream that this is going to be a part of my life and they, they expect it to happen but they don't want to do the work it's like somebody who wants to run a marathon and they're manifesting that they're going to run a marathon but they don't train for the marathon. Now somebody who doesn't train for a marathon isn't going to make it that 26.2 miles. I know I wouldn't make it that 26.2 miles. And so, you know, it's that idea that if you if you want to manifest, you can't just imagine something's going to happen, but you have to put the work into it as well. So often people might manifest that they're going to grow in their career, that they're going to get a uh, promotion, that something awesome is going to happen, but during their time when they're at work, they spend more time gossiping and hanging out with their colleagues than they do actually working for that promotion. That manifestation isn't going to happen if we don't put in the work Well, they were talking about this, and of course, what verses in my head, this verse and these verses following, and so I'm thinking about this as I'm running on the treadmill. I like how I run for you guys, you know, as I'm running on the treadmill, and and, and I'm listening to them talk about this and the problem with this idea of manifestation that people don't put in the work, and I'm thinking not just about verse 11 that everybody knows and everybody recites and they imagine that it's a blanket promise, but I'm thinking about the verse after the verses after that tell us that this isn't a blanket promise from God it's a covenantal promise from God That we have to uphold our side of the bargain too. It's not a blanket promise, but it's a covenantal promise. So the same thing that the guys were talking about on the treadmill applies to us and to the Israelite people. It's the same idea of the promise that the prophet Jeremiah was trying to relate to the people. Yes, God has a purpose. Yes, God wants us to succeed with that purpose. Yes, God wants to help us on the path of life. But the only way to find the path is to seek the path. The only way to find God is to search for God. The only way to hear from God is to pray to God guys get the, i know i whenever i'm preaching a sermon like this i realize i am totally preaching to the choir here because you guys get this but i'm going to explain it again it's a two-sided relationship we can't just think that something's going to happen but we have to put the work in as well because our god is a covenantal god our god makes a vow to us But we have to uphold our side of the vow as well. Now I'm going to give a little two cents. Lori sitting right here. Now Lori, during Bible study, I know I didn't warn her of this. I do this to our Bible studyers sometimes when they type in really interesting comments. I had to go back and find Lori's. Lori said it so well. She said, we have to put effort into our relationship with God. If we want God to be there with us, to guide us, then we need to put in the effort so if you see people out there and, and they do what sometimes people do to me, they're like, well, why doesn't God just do this for me? Why doesn't God just bring the man of my dreams right to my door? I do know one person that that actually happened. He was a delivery guy. But anyways, you know, why, <laughs> why doesn't God just do that? Though that person was a faithful, worshipful person. though she was, she was a good person. But, you know, why doesn't God just do this to me? Why doesn't God just do this for me? Why doesn't God just make all this happen? Sometimes we have to ask, are you searching? Are you seeking? Are you holding up your end of your relationship with our awesome, amazing, prayer-answering God? Because this is a two-way relationship. We can't just take from God. We got to give to God as well. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we know that we need to seek you to find you. We know that we need to pray to you to get answers from you. We know that we need to search for your guidance in order to have you guide us. So Lord, here we are, praying, seeking, and searching. Will you guide us in our lives? And if there are people in our lives that that need your guidance but don't know how, help us to lead them to seek you. Help us to guide them to seek you and to find you. And Lord, we pray this and every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord, and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.